But going into uh, our message this morning, I'm titling it The Baton. And uh, those that know me well know that I am a big sports fan. Uh, I love both playing sports myself and I love watching sports. And unfortunately for me, I'm just not all too great at the playing sports part, right? Uh, I don't have any fantastic athleticism, or I never developed or was uh, persevered enough to develop any great skills, but I still just do have a ton of fun playing any and all kinds of sports. I'm always game for that. Uh, so while I'm not really good at playing sports, I am exceptionally good at, I might even see great at watching sports. <laughs> I have that down pat. I can have the big TV. I have the comfortable position on the couch. I'm good at having chicken wings or potato chips in my mouth. I just do really well at watching sports. And one sport I particularly enjoy watching or have enjoyed watching over the years is the Summer Olympics. Um, and of course, they only happen once every four years. And uh, the most, most recent one, Tokyo 2020, after a year delay to the pandemic, it looks like there's still some hurdles going on, honestly, but it looks like the Tokyo 2020 games will take place in just under 50 days this July, and I will be excited to watch them if they happen. And one Summer Olympics I particularly will always remember was actually near my own high school graduation. It was the 2008 Beijing Games. Um, if you want to feel old, these graduating young adults here today were only about five years old during those 2008 games. But uh, if you remember any of the big stories from those Olympics, it would likely be one of two guys. So if you go back to 2008 and remember, one of the big stories was a guy named Michael Phelps. Uh, he completely dominated in swimming by winning eight gold medals in one Olympics. There was a lot of memorable races, like there was a 100-meter butterfly. He won by one one-hundredth of a second. Super exciting. There's also one of the most exciting moments, I would say, maybe in Olympic history when there was a relay race in swimming. It was a 4 by 100 freestyle relay. And uh, Phelps had already swam, and his teammate, Jason Lezak, was coming from behind against the French. There was a lot of trash talking going on. I really wanted to beat France. But Jason Lezak came from behind for a last-second dramatic win to earn gold uh, in dramatic fashion. And uh, the second story you might remember from the 2008 Beijing Olympics was a guy named Usain Bolt. He was a Jamaican sprinter. And it was just crazy watching him, honestly. It was like, it was effortless. He just, it looked like he was jogging while everyone else was sprinting as hard as they could. He dominated the 100 and 200 meter uh, races, and uh, it was just really fun to watch while doing it. However, there is a third kind of crazy story related to the 2008 games that you may not remember at all, and that is the men's and women's 400 meter relay in track and field. So, in track and field, that's the sport where you're passing the baton off to your teammate. Uh, there's four people that are running, and this is an event that the U.S. had dominated throughout the years. Like, they were expected to win again. The U.S. always did really well at this relay. But unfortunately, while they're both favored, the men's and women's U.S. teams both did not even qualify for the finals. It was the first time in the history of the modern Olympics that the U.S. men's and women's teams did not even make the finals. And what was the reason for it? Why did they not win gold, let alone even make the finals? Well, they dropped the baton. Both the women's and men's teams, both during the preliminary heats, they dropped the baton on the final exchange. See, individually, they had all of the talent and they had all of the skills, 
but it was a failed handoff that ended up dooming their teams. So this morning, I actually want to talk to you about good baton passes in our spiritual lives. As a youth pastor thinking through this idea, my mind immediately obviously goes to high school graduation since it marks this major transition moment. In a lot of ways, it's the end of one leg of the race and the beginning of another leg of the race. It also marks a significant moment of empowerment, uh, right? Reaching the age of 18 and graduating high school and maybe moving out, they all mark these major steps into adulthood. In the months to follow graduation, the move to college or into the workforce, they're a transitional moment that marks new, brand new independence. To put it another way, we, as the parents in the room, as pastors, as teachers, as friends and family, we're in a season of passing the baton off to these young adults and we're telling them, on your own, go for it. And this is a lot like what is happening in the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy in the Bible, uh, where the elder Paul is writing to a young Timothy. See, Paul has mentored Timothy for many years and eventually started sending Timothy out on missions, journeys on his own to other churches. And Timothy is Paul's co-worker, but also, in many ways, Timothy is Paul's young protege. Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy, which is where we're going to be this morning, from yet another time that Paul is in prison. He's in the middle of a court trial, and the court trial just is not going well. He knows that he isn't likely to survive this one. This is one of Paul's very last letters. And out of this dark situation, Paul knows that he's running out of time, and he appeals to Timothy, who is currently at assignment in Ephesus, to pass on to him the encouragement and knowledge he needs to continue this church planning mission that Paul has started. So if you want to open up your Bibles, the scripture will also be on the side. We're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy, uh, which is near the end of the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And I'm reading from the NLT. It reads, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot, pass, cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. So if you look back at this scripture, did you catch the relay race talk? Uh, I'm not talking about verse 6 where it talks about an athlete following the rules. We are going to actually go through some athletic rules. But actually look again at verse 2 particularly. I would say in verse 2 alone, we have a full 4 by 400 meter relay going on. So verse 2 starts with, you have heard me teach things. You've heard me teach these things. So for leg one, that was Paul. He was running the race. He began the race by passing the baton on to Timothy and teaching Timothy through his mentorship. Leg two is for Timothy to run. Timothy, this is where we currently are at in the race, uh, but Paul knows, Paul's smart, he knows that just like he isn't able to run forever, Timothy won't be able to run forever either. So Paul tells Timothy in verse two, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people. 
That's how we get to leg three of the race. Timothy needs to pass on these truths to other trustworthy people. And now you can start to see the pattern, because to get to leg four, that's the end of the verse. It says, these trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So leg four involves these trustworthy people that Timothy taught, now passing those baton on to others. So we have Paul to Timothy to trustworthy people to others. A full four-leg race. And I love this scripture, just the picture that's created in the scripture. It's actually one of the core of what children's ministry and youth ministry and Christian parenting even is all about. We want to come alongside students to move them past empty religion and into an authentic personal relationship with Jesus. As verse 1 says, we want to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, we want them to carry that love of Jesus beyond the walls of just this church and share it with others in their community. When I've seen this baton handoff go well, it really is a beautiful thing. But on the other hand, just like the U.S. and men's 2008 teams, I've also unfortunately seen far too many bad handoffs or dropped batons throughout the years. And this idea of passing on the baton goes far beyond just youth ministry and parenting. It's for grandparents and family members. It's for small group leaders, Christian volunteers, and nursery workers. It's for bosses and coaches and teachers. It's for any believer in Jesus who wants to live out the Great Commission. As I like to regularly joke, it's for all ages, from age child to age Carl Ekdahl. Uh, so how do we make sure that 2 Timothy 2.2 works right. How, do we, how can we create 2 Timothy 2.2 style handoffs? And this may sound weird, but I think we can pull some great lessons on a great spiritual handoff from the rules that govern track and field relay races. So I'm going to read actually three actual rules from the USCA TF, that's the United States Track and Field Association. I'm going to read three rules from their relay, hand, rule, relay rule book. Uh, which will help give us three things to remember that we can create 2 Timothy 2.2 style handoff. So rule number 25 of the rule book states, the baton shall be a smooth, hollow, circular tube made of wood, metal, or other rigid material in one piece. And I'm not going to read the whole rule. It goes on to talk about the weight and circumference and all the stuff about the baton. But this leads me to my first thought this morning to create 2 Timothy 2.2 style handoffs. And that is, we have to have the right baton. It has to be the right baton. So what's our baton? It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is what we are passing off. So when it comes to investing in and teaching others, we can tend to get distracted or focus on a lot of areas that may be good things, but they aren't the most important things. So for our kids, uh, we can focus on things like good behavior, strong grades, athletic success, musical ability, earning scholarships. Into an adulthood, we can focus on things like job promotions, our marriage and family, financial health, having good standing in our community. And there is absolutely some value in pursuing these things, right? They are good things. And if you look at our four graduates, if you read their bios, uh, they are certainly very impressive. They have accomplishments in school, athletics, work, impacting their community. Like I said, these are all really good things, and they certainly deserve to be celebrated. However, I also want to be clear that these are not the most important 
thing. These things are not eternal. Graduates, if you only hear me say one thing this morning, it would be this. None of these good things matters in comparison to knowing Jesus. Knowing his unconditional love and his generous forgiveness is what is most important in our lives. In another one of Paul's letters to the, uh, the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, Paul shares about passing on what is most important. He shares about this concept of passing on the gospel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Notice there's more baton language going on here. That Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. That is the good news of the gospel. So as a church, let's not get distracted or just focus on the good things and lose sight of the God things. Let's be a church who is committed to uh, invest in the truth of Jesus Christ's saving grace and his death and resurrection and teaching the freedom and power that comes from living a life that is committed to following the Holy Spirit. The second rule from the USATF handbook is about the takeover zone in a relay race. And it reads, each takeover zone shall be 20 meters long with a scratch line in its center. So on the racetrack, if you see, there's these lines, um, and they're marked as the takeover zone. And this is the area that the incoming runner has to pass off the baton to the outgoing runner. Uh, and if you fail to do so, the race is over for your team. So you, you, you can't just keep running. You have to hand the baton off. And this leads me to my second thought to create good spiritual handoffs. And that is to remember that the space to, pace, the space to pass the baton is limited. Said another way, you could say that the time that we have to pass the baton is limited. A regular statement that I'll hear from parents and family members during graduating season is, they just grow up so fast, right? And for parents with uh, younger children that are in the room, that would include myself, this statement should be a reminder for us. There is a date coming where our kids are going to head off on their own. So make the most of the time that you have with them because time is limited. This should make us consider uh, our time management and our priorities. There may be nothing more spiritually valuable in your kids' lives than to be present with them while they are present. You actually see this modeled in Timothy's life. If you go back just one chapter in Scripture to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes, uh, he's writing to Timothy again, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. You see, Timothy was blessed to have a grandmother and a mother who passed on their strong faith to him. Paul says, and I know that same strong faith is in you. See, Lois and Eunice made the most of their valuable time with young Timothy so that when he was young, to prepare him for his future mission and his missionary trips later on in life. So I want to be clear that what I'm not saying here is that the window for your kids responding to Jesus has an age limit, right? It does not end at 18. In fact, the window for any person in our lives responding to Jesus doesn't have an age limit. Let's not forget that the thief next to Jesus on the cross, right, uh, received eternity in one of his final breaths. 
But what I am saying is that as parents, there is a window that we have where you have the most influence, the most time, and the most opportunity to impact the lives of your kids. So let's try to make the most of it. So far this morning, I've been addressing a lot the graduates and the parents, and I want to address uh, everyone else in the room. And that is that we need to continue to be the church. We need to be supportive of parents and families, and we need to value children's and youth ministry. Uh, as a Christian education committee here at the church, uh, this is something we're committed to, and we're actually reading a very interesting book titled Faith for Exiles. It's written by David Kinneman and Mark Matlock. And uh, it's a recent book, and it uses data from the Barna Research Group to acknowledge some heartbreaking trends that many of us, unfortunately, already know. And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, and that's that today, most young non-Christians are avoiding Christianity, and many young Christians end up abandoning the church. The book hypothesizes that today, in 2021, we are actually living in a sort of digital Babylon. This is an accelerated, complex culture that's marked by a phenomenal access, the access that's granted by increases in technology and social media and advances in the internet. And this uh, profound act, or this phenomenal access has actually led to profound alienation and a crisis of authority. Essentially, the book's saying that it can be very hard to be a Christian today when you are living in a sort of digital exile. However, the book doesn't just leave it with bad news. It actually believes that there's five ways that young Christians can actually thrive in exile, just like how Daniel thrived in exile in the Old Testament. Honestly, the whole book, I'd recommend it, Faith for Exiles, it's uh, insightful today regarding the topic of passing on the baton well, but for time reasons, I just want to focus on one practice they found will help create resilient disciples of Jesus. And one of those practices is that to form resilient disciples, forge meaningful intergenerational relationships with other believers. So I'll say it again, forge meaningful intergenerational relationships with other believers. So in their research, they found that uh, resilient disciples, uh, young adults who continued on in their faith as compared to their peers who maybe fell off their faith, they found that these resilient disciples were more likely to say something like, when growing up, I had a close personal friends who were adults. These resilient disciples also are more likely to say something like, I have someone in my life other than my family who I can go to for advice and personal issues. Their intensive research found that resilient disciples are confident in the relationships at their local church. They feel connected to people of all ages at church, and they are mentored by someone older than themselves. A direct quote from the book reads, there are simply some things kids won't be able to hear from or work through with their parents, but high quality, Jesus-seeking adults in their lives can help keep them involved in church be people they want to be around, and provide them with examples they can emulate. So this means that we all in the church have a role to play in passing off the baton well. It's not just the job of the parents or not just the job of the pastors. I understand that not everyone is gifted in the same way, right? Uh, part of the beauty of the diversity of the body of Christ is that uh, we are gifted in some different areas, and not everyone feels called to children's ministry or called to youth ministry, and that's okay. But maybe you are a gifted teacher, or you're strong academically, and you can help a child as a tutor. Maybe you're a talented cook, and you can teach a cooking class to a young adult before they go off to live on their own. 
you don't actually need a gift for children's ministry to help grill, package snacks, or help with registration at VBS. So think about how are you gifted? And are you using those gifts to pass on the gospel well to the younger generation? The data shows that this is so important for people of all ages to come alongside our parents and families to be invested in the lives of our children and our youth. Now for my last rule from the USDF handbook, which is rule number 12 in the rule book, it reads, the baton shall be carried by hand throughout the race. If dropped, it shall be recovered by the athlete who dropped it. And this rule was actually fascinating to me because I always thought that a drop baton meant disqualification, right? I thought that a drop baton meant the race was over, you, know, that you don't have any more chances, it's done. But this rule makes it clear that a drop baton does not mean that the race is over. And this leads me to my third and final thought this morning, and that is that a dropped baton is not the end of the race. As I covered earlier, there's a lot of research books and blog posts right now that they're telling us that faith is unfortunately being abandoned by many teenagers and young adults. And it's a legitimate concern, and it's obviously one that's very personal for me as well. Students are either dropping the baton in their postgraduate years, or something is going wrong in the baton pass. And a lot of the responses to this research focuses on playing the blame game right? It, it shifts uh, blame to different groups. And one group might say, well, it's the youth group's fault, right? It's uh, all they do is just play games and eat pizza and have fun. They don't take it seriously enough. Uh, I think it's the youth group's fault. Another group might focus on the parents and they say, you know, it's the parents' fault. They're just uh, failing in their responsibility to be the spiritual leaders for their kids. I think it's the parents' fault. And another group might blame the older generation at the church. They say, you know, the older people at church, they're just irrelevant, and they're unwilling to change or adapt to the point that young people, they don't even want to be a part of the church. And honestly, I find this entire blame game conversation pretty frustrating. I get this mental picture of a team of relay runners on the same team staring at a dropped baton on the ground, and instead of picking it up, just discussing how this baton got dropped. It's like... Come on, the race is still happening. What if we stop talking about a drop baton and stop blaming each other and instead start taking action and start taking steps to pick up the baton and start running well? See, the Bible never claims that the Christian life is always going to be easy, right? We might have some things, uh, freedoms and things today that are easier than before, but we might have some things today in our culture that make life harder than they were before. And uh, Jesus promises us, in this world, you will have trouble. This is why perseverance to keep running is so important. If you look back at the scripture we read, 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 6, I'm going to reread. It says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. You see, following Jesus is not easy. It actually requires everything you have. It's like enrolling as a soldier. It's like an athlete going through rigorous training of their body for, to get ready for competition. Or it's like a hardworking farmer trying to grow their crops. See, each of these three occupations takes great perseverance to succeed. And all three examples that Paul used here involve people committed to something bigger than themselves. They're willing to sacrifice and endure for a greater goal. Hardship and sacrifice are inherent to the Christian life. So are you willing to endure? 
So I'd like to close this morning just by offering some encouragement wherever you're at. Remember back in verse 1 of uh, 2 Timothy 2, Paul writes to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is actually just one of 25 times in Paul's letters to Timothy that he encourages Timothy to be strong and endure. Perhaps it was that Timothy was naturally a bit timid or shy and he needed to be encouraged regularly, or maybe Timothy was a man of regular courage and he just had great responsibility. Either way, Timothy needed to be told often to be strong. In the same way, we need to remember to encourage each other often. We need to remind each other that our God is generous to give his strength to us if we seek him and rely on his strength instead of relying on our own. So to those in the room today who have fumbled the baton pass, as you've maybe tried to pass it off to someone, maybe you fumbled the baton pass because of hypocritical living, or maybe through a lack of neglect, or maybe just you didn't spend enough time and have that consistent presence. Whatever the case is, I encourage you to persevere. Pick up the baton back today, pray for God's strength, and begin focusing on passing that baton well to others. It's a new day. Those in the room who did receive the baton, but maybe you have dropped it yourself. Maybe it's you dropped the baton because you turned your back on God. Maybe you just got caught up in your own selfish desires or pursuits. Maybe it's just been a slow drop throughout the years. You've just, through apathy and distraction, you've been focusing so much on those good things we talked about and not focusing on the most important thing. Whatever the case is, God is a God of forgiveness. He offers forgiveness. So I encourage you to get back right with him, pick up the baton, and get back in the race. To one who is currently carrying the baton and is in or is nearing the takeover lane, right? To the parent of a teenager, to the teacher or coach or small group leader or boss who has a Timothy in their own life, or maybe even to someone in this room who has been walking with Jesus for years, but you just have never considered how to invest in the lives of others. I would like you to focus this morning on the who and the how. Who are you going to pass the baton to? And how do you plan to make the best use of the time you have to do it? Because the time is limited. And lastly, I want to just address our four graduates this morning. As your pastors, as your parents, and your family, and as your church, we love you. We are so proud of what you have accomplished today in, in your graduation. And we're going to continue to be here to support you going forward. But we also want to recognize that it's your time to, to pick up your leg in the race. It's your time to run the race. So persevere, rely on God's strength, cling to the gospel of Jesus, and run well. We'll be praying for you. Let's pray this morning. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for your scripture. We thank you for uh, these words that you had Paul write to Timothy and just the encouragement that they are for us to continue to persevere and to run well. Uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for the lives of um, Adrian and Alec and Hunter and Maddie, just the blessing that they've been in my life and in their families' lives and in this church. Uh, we just pray that um, they can be proud of their accomplishments today and that they also can uh, be excitedly looking forward to what you have in store for them. Uh, that they can leg their, that they can run their leg of the race well. Uh, so be with us the rest of this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen.